every day I wake up, I think, how can I make my life easier for, for the consumer? How can I make it li- life easier for the team? And I serve them. Servant leadership is important. Without them, they, they, they run our business, right? Our, our GMs and AGMs at these sites and all of our frontline team members, they run the business and we're so thankful that we have them. So a lot of that focus is on those areas and just constant improvement, Jeff. We, every day I wake up is how can we be better than the next day? And that, I think, is a level of success, too. And a lot of that is the, the things I learned in the Marines. Having a good mindset and a mentality to get things done and being tenacious. Let's discover what people are building in the greater Cleveland community. We are telling the stories of Northeast Ohio's entrepreneurs, builders, and those supporting them. Welcome to the Lay of the Land podcast, where we are exploring what people are building in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio. I am your host, Jeffrey Stern, and today I had the real pleasure of speaking with Brian Cruz. Brian is the founder at Sergeant Clean Car Wash, a premier express car wash organization proudly serving Northeast Ohio since 2013 with over a dozen locations throughout the region. Under Brian's leadership, Sergeant Clean Car Wash has been recognized many times over as a five-time Inc. 5000 fastest growing private company winner, Weatherhead 100 winner, Smart Culture Award recipient, and personally having spent eight years in the United States Marine Corps himself, a multi-time VET 100 winner as a proudly veteran-owned and operated business. And of course, Best Car Wash in Cleveland by Smart Business Magazine. This was an awesome conversation. Brian and I cover the business of car washes, how Brian got started in the industry in the first place, how Sergeant Clean Car Wash is changing the face of car washes writ large, the influence of Brian's time in the Marine Corps, his unique approach to recruiting, the role of ADHD in his own process, the role and opportunity for car washing to positively impact local communities, building a lasting culture, and so much more. So with that, please enjoy my conversation with Brian Cruz after a brief message from our sponsor. Lay of the Land is brought to you by Impact Architects and by 90. As we share the stories of entrepreneurs building incredible organizations in Cleveland and throughout Northeast Ohio, Impact Architects has helped hundreds of those leaders, many of whom we have heard from as guests on this very podcast, realize their own visions and build these great organizations. I believe in Impact Architects and the people behind it so much that I have actually joined them personally in their mission to help leaders gain focus, align together, and thrive by doing what they love. If you two are trying to build great, Impact Architects is offering to sit down with you for a free consultation or provide a free trial through 90, the software platform that helps teams build great companies. If you're interested in learning more about partnering with Impact Architects or by leveraging 90 to power your own business, please go to ia.layoftheland.fm. The link will also be in our show notes. I think we we maybe just have to start with with car washes. You know, I, I would love to understand why and how it was that you came to find yourself building in this space. You know, like what transpired at some point in, in your past that that led you to making the decision to say, I think I want to go into the car washing industry and business. Yeah, I, I guess maybe just my life has just been unique, right? You know, I, uh, it, in, in the Marine Corps, the percentage is that less than 1% of America's population could be a Marine. So it's just the weird uniqueness there from that. And then I was a bomb builder of all things in the Marine Corps. So once again, you know, it was always a proud fact that my mom or my dad would repeat what my job was in the Marines. Yeah. Car washing is unique, right? You know, uh, I have a seven-year-old and I remember them going through preschool, seven and a 10-year-old going through school and you'd ask the kids what do they want to be when they grow up. I've never <laughs> heard car washer yet. But how it and how, it, how that story unfolded was back in our first location was March of 2013. But prior to that, um, I was laid off in 2008 from the banking world. I was an executive banking recruiter. So uh, I was laid off, low man on the totem pole, and proceeded to do something different. At the time, my friend of mine, uh, best friend, uh, Andrew, had some beverage drive-through stores. And he had said, hey, why don't we team up and and grow? He was growing his business. So I uh, lended a hand and helped that growth from one to four locations in the beverage store space, like drive-through beverage stores here in Northeast Ohio in Lorain County. And then I believe in knowledge is power. So mm-hmm. we were at uh, 
NAS convention, bumping elbows with men and women all over the world for the sea store space and bumped into a guy and he said, man, I got, I got car washes and I got sea stores. And I said, car wash, what the heck's a car wash? I, I knew nothing about it, thinking laser wash or whatever the heck. And long story short, he said, I got uh, free tickets. I can get you to go to the uh, Eastern show in Atlantic City. So, you know, these places are never horrible, right? I'm leaving Vegas to come home and then I leave and go to Atlantic City. And when I went there, I just fell in love with the industry. It really, really, really reminded me, Jeff, of the Marines, you know, people from all walks of life coming together for a common purpose. I was able to elicit some really good answers to questions that I had, good discovery work. Even longer story, even shorter, I met a gentleman, uh, Vic, who owned a kind of distribution company there from equipment to soap. He was born and raised in Strongsville. He told me he had just the location for us. It was kind of a, a hot mess. It was a piece of crap. You can't do any worse than, you know, what the current owner was, uh, which I thought, hey, thanks for the confidence. Sure. But, uh, you know, long story short, uh, we had we had looked into that business and it just was a great opportunity uh, for not only the seller, but also for us to purchase and, and kind of uh, open the door into the world of car washing. I often say we entered the world of car washing difficult because our first location had 176 liens. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So it took about 18 months to get through the process. But long story short, we it, it was nothing but uphill battle from day one in the car wash industry, So, which was good, right? It, it kept us tenacious and it kept our heads focused on what we needed to do and and doing it the, the hard way versus the easy right. way. Right. And, and not that it ever was going to be easy, but, you know, if you can surmount that many liens, you know, maybe you come to the next one where there's maybe less than a dozen liens and you're like, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because naturally, you know, I, I so vision our attorney just staring at me. And this was a gentleman who went to school with my mom and my uncles on that side of the family. And he's like, I don't really care about a client attorney privileges. I, I have to tell your mom, she's going to kill me, you know? <laughs> Long story short, yeah, it was a difficult situation that no one would really touch, but we were able to overcome uh, and he was helpful, you know, during the process as well. Well, to, to borrow your aphorism of, of knowledge is power, you know, one of the, the perennial pieces of, of startup advice that is in advance of actually going out and, and building is that you need to, you know, deeply understand the market and, and learn about your customer. Uh, you know, what are their pain points? What is the status quo? Why are things done the, the way they are today? What do they care about? What are they trying to accomplish? How did you go about, you know, learning about this this industry? I'm so curious to understand, like, what exactly your approach was to to learning about the car wash market and and what the actual learnings were uh, from from that undertaking. You know, it was it really allowed me to cut through a lot of the stigma and the you know uh, assumptions that I had. Right, it's easy. You know, it's the first instinct naturally, not from everybody, from the majority of, hey, you, sh you flick the lights on at seven, shut them off at eight, grab the cash and you're done, right? It, it, it's it's uh, not a glamorous business, uh, maybe uh, like an oncologist or a lawyer or uh, an attorney, you know, uh, I'm sorry, a lawyer is an attorney, but I, uh, <laughs> a doctor, a you know, a CPA, some well profession. So I took a step back and said, hey, how can I be best educated? And I said, I'm going to talk to owners. So I literally, as my wife refers to it, my nerd journal, I opened up a journal and I put pros on one side, cons on the other. And I would get on Google and I would call every car washer I could outside three or four hours of the Cleveland area. And I was all over Pennsylvania, Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Illinois, uh, down in Columbus area. And I just, I went to, went to town, just maxed the credit card out and I was buying flights and traveling and picking everyone's brain. And it was really good that I started finding people and then they had friends in the industry. And that was the best education, you know, uh, that I ever, that I ever got from the car wash industry. I heard it firsthand from owners and then I physically saw, oh, you know, men and women in uniform pro, uh, people chain smoking and tattoos on their face in front of customers con. And I would go down, you know, this list and it really, really, really gave me good perspective and, to, to hit the uh, ground running come day one, because I knew, you know, it was inevitable here. And I've constantly done that over the 10 years of our existence, and I still do it to today. But before we we turned on the mics here, you mentioned changing the the face of the, the car wash industry. And and one of the other things, that, I mean, there are a lot of things here that I'm, I'm curious about, but 
Is there an yeah. interesting history to car washes? You know, when I think about like industries overall, to me, car washes would be the like classic example of of second order effects, you know, where thinking through the implications of all the proliferation of cars in the country, you know, obviously the automotive industry gets huge, but now people have dirty cars, so they, they need to clean them. But are, are you aware of like how the industry came to be and, and how it's evolved over time and how the face of it has, has changed in, in any interesting ways? Yeah, that's a really good question. I could probably go seven ways <laughs> to answer that. But I, but I think the most is, without a doubt, it has changed. And over the last five years, you know, if you're in Northeast Ohio or frankly anywhere, you know, across the nation, you can you can see the explosive growth of car washing. I often tell people, Jeff, that it came from the same thing happened in the uh, 70s and 80s with the oil change industry. It was a thing where, you know, back in the day, you weren't a man, you know, in a sense, uh, unless you did your own oil change. And it was a process, right? You get the pan, you get the, you know, you did this whole thing with maybe your dad or your grandfather, and it was this teaching lesson. And then people said, well, hey, I have way less time to do fun things or to do whatever. And oil changes happened and private equity got involved and they just threw gasoline on the fire. So 70s and 80s, there's a huge explosive growth. They could put, you know, this two or three bay oil change on a third of an acre. You see them on outlots of shopping centers and it just, boom, it just exploded. Yeah. Similar to that here now, right? Private equity is involved in our industry. Uh, that's helped fuel the fire, but also the consumers. The consumers are telling us that they want a clean car. They want it fast, easy, and convenient. The unlimited program where you get you know charged once a month, wash unlimited. Uh, we'll have 16 locations here by year end, so there's a lot of you know value in that as well. So without a doubt, that's changed. One of the other components of change is technology. I mean, we use cameras, we use sonar, the utmost up-to-date technology in all of our car washes. Uh, we I, I love when we open a new one and we do city tours and, you know, community city staff are coming there. The mayor is usually there, uh, chamber members, community members, and they come and they're there for an hour and they're just staring in awe going, Oh my gosh, I had no clue. You know, this was how this happened and the functionality of the car wash. And that's a lot of the component to change, but a lot of it too was the people, you know, like I mentioned, it was just this, especially in Northeast Ohio, it was this long drawn out process where if you wanted a car wash, you knew, uh, I don't have 15 or 20 minutes to waste, right? Because you got in your car, you got out of your car, walked down a hallway, the, the pay process was was clunky, the car wash itself was very clunky. No offense to any, you know, owner operators, you know, of the past is they would often put cash into their pocket versus putting it into the business. And it just suffered, right? And that just became a stigma of, I'm going to take forever. It's going to be clunky. It's going to be a crappy building. Just don't look at anybody, pay your thing, get in, get out, you know, enjoy your clean car. And that's completely changed. I'd like to say we were one of the main, you know, uh, leaders in the, in the change here in Northeast Ohio, as we've been one of the original ones here 10 years ago, adapting of the unlimited program and, and how we take care of our team members and how those team members take care of our customers. So how would you lay out what Sergeant Clean Car Wash is and, you know, the evolution of the business over the, the last few years and, uh, you know, where, where, are you, where are you today? You know what? The best answer for that is mentorship. I had really good mentors and advisors along the way, and I graduated up from some of the earlier mentors and advisors to the ones I currently have now. But the theme all along was just figure out what your business model is and get laser focused on that. And when we started, I mean, man, if you had $5, I'd clean your steering wheel for you, right? <laughs> we, we did everything from detailing to interior cleaning to towel dry. And some of our early locations, we had some of those components. Up until about seven or eight years ago, we just became laser focused and said, hey, here's the deal. You're, we're going to make it fast, easy, convenient. We're going to give you the best quality possible. And the people working with you are is going to be strong on customer service. They're going to smile. They're going to wave. It's going to be a pleasant experience, kind of almost like the break away from your day, allow you to, you know, metaphorically cleanse yourself, you know, the car wash, you know, getting clean and allow you to see a smiling face there too. And that's just been the forefront of what we've done to change, you know, the face of car washing and to focus on what we're going to do best. And then allow the consumer with free vacuums, we've got towels, air fresheners, you know, uh, dash spray, window spray. Let them determine the level of cleanliness for their inside of their vehicle and give them the, the proper tools and resources in order to do that. Some people can spend five minutes or someone could be there for 20 minutes, you know, and do an interior cleaning. And 
that's been a lot of helpful people along the way um, that have helped me get where I'm at. And, and a good mentor and advisor is helpful where they're a good friend. You can grab dinner with them, grab lunch with them, but they're going to tell you the candid truth. And you got to be humble when you, when you want to actual receive advice and actually fall into a level of mentorship. Cause if not, it's just worthless, right? You know, you might as well start talking to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I do want to circle back on, on the, the mentorship thread and unpack that one a little bit more, but you know, you, you had mentioned the, the perception that people have historically had about, you know, car washes and how it's evolved, the, the present state of the industry when you think about what is the role that that Sergeant Clean has to play in this larger, you know, macro picture of, of car washes, I guess another way to frame this idea that I'm trying to get is like obviously there there are car washes everywhere, and we all have our perceptions about how they're operated and and run. You know what what are you doing explicitly here that is that is different and you know raises the bar and, and sets Sergeant Clean apart? Yeah, I guess generically, right? People always say, "Oh, my people." You know, oh, it's my people. We do that. So I'll leave that secondary because we already know that, right? We hire really good people. It's an, ex you know, very extensive process that we go through. We hire slow, we fire fast, and we actually talk people out of working for us. So that's important for us. But two is, you know, we want to give you the best quality car wash and the fastest amount of time possible, right? So time's important. It's ever more important now. I have a seven and 10 year old that I mentioned in a family and other things that I do, you know, besides running the business. And, Time's important. Time's a valuable resource. So I think for our, for us, it's a laser focus on that. We listen to our customers. You know, they talked about free vacuums. They talked about towels. We're, we're constantly listening. Now, we may not be able to do every single thing that's suggested, but we truly, truly, genuinely listen to our customers and we've made adaptations. And anyone who's been around Sergeant Clean can see the modifications and changes and constant improvements that we put into our car wash. We recently have added some additional soap. We added uh, a, a brush at the end. It's not a brush, but you know, it, in our terms, it's a brush. There's nothing brush related to the car wash, <laughs> but it's a uh, a buff and shine system because the consumer wanted a good, you know, drier way to wash the, you know, to dry the vehicle. So we added that. We're going to bring on at some particular point here next year, like a towel, uh, towel dry, towels that they can use and dry their vehicle. We've got air. We've got mat cleaners, so on and so forth. The list goes on. But these are things that are suggestions you know, from the consumer that we listen and we, and we do. Another thing's our team. You know, we, we constantly interview our team, whether it's, you know, um, anonymous feedback or direct feedback on how we can be better. How can we serve you better? And our mentality uh, as the company is this is a, 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 a top down, not a bottom up. And I work for our team. You know, every day I wake up, I think, how can I make my life easier for, for the consumer? How can I make it li life easier for the team? And I serve them. Servant leadership is important. Without them, they, they, they run our business, right? Our, our GMs and AGMs at these sites and all of our frontline team members, they run the business and we're so thankful that we have them. So a lot of that focus is on those areas and just constant improvement, Jeff. We, every day I wake up is how can we be better than the next day? And that, I think, is a level of success, too. And a lot of that is the, the things I learned in the Marines, having a good mindset and a mentality to get things done and being tenacious. Did, did I hear you correctly that you 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 want to talk people out of working with you? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, we're not, like I mentioned, you know, we, we do great things, right? We, we hire loving, caring people that love our customers, love working with one another, you know. I often say I've not been to work in over 10 years because of the environment that we've created. Now, everyone's going to have bad days and, you know, bad weeks or whatever the case may be, but we try to provide the best impact for them. And when we hire people, these are our direct frontline individuals, the ambassadors of first impressions, and they're in front of these customers, right? They're, they're the first, sometimes the first or multiple takes of how Sergeant Clean looks like and feels like. And if we're just hiring to hire and fill a slot, it ain't going to work, Right. And part of talking them out is we tell them, I did the same thing when I was, a, I was a recruiter in the Marines, but at the car washes, you're going to, you know, be outside, right? You're going to work in 900 degrees in the sun. You're going to work in 10 degrees below zero. You're going to be outside. You're going to be in a, a wash environment. You know, we're not reinventing the wheel. We're not developing the cure for cancer here, but we're going to love on our customers. We're going to provide, you know, also uh, tangible benefits where we have 401k and you know, medical, dental, vision, all those uh, career paths and, and good, you know, employment opportunities for team members. And just we say all that, but we, we make it hard. We tell them what we're going to do. Hey, you're going to work on your feet. 
long hours and so on and so forth. And, um, but we also, uh, you know, uh, talk about the work-life balance and, you know, car washing is a great thing, but it's not everything. So I, I have to ask about your, your time in the Marines. It's, you know, it's, it's something you, you brought up a few times. I imagine particularly a formative experience in your own life. How did your time in the Marines inform, you know, how, how you do business and, and maybe share a little bit about, you know, what, what inspired you to, to join in, in the first place? And, you know, obviously they tried to talk you out of it, so it, it didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so growing up, my, uh, one of my good friends, his grandfather was in the Marines. He fought in the Korean War, Chosun Reservoir. So when you, when you envision those old billboards of Marines, he was at Philippon, Sergeant Philippon was, was his name. And he was hardcore. And he, I never forget this. He told me, you could be 80 and go to college. You can't be 80 and join the Marines. You can't. Those colleges, those universities, I looked at like Miami of Ohio or OU or Kent. I, I eventually graduated from Kent State. But he goes, those universities have been around for 100. They ain't going nowhere. They're not closing any of them. They're going to stick around. And I said, yeah, you're right. And then my whole life has been competitive. I played hockey since I was five and golf and, you know, just kind of lived, I guess, the, the boy – you know, the, the man, you know, competitive by nature too. And I said, I'm going to, if I'm doing, I'm going to join the Marines. So I, uh, I joined the Marines, longest, hardest, uh, toughest boot camp. And, you know, obviously I'm partial. Uh, I have uncles that were in the Navy, great uncles that were in there. My grandfather was in the air force. So don't, don't get me wrong. I love all the armed forces. We're all great. Uh, we can't do these things individually. We are collectively as an awesome group and we protect our country. So it was awesome. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the lessons that I've learned is obviously, you know, just grit, you know, overcoming, you know, getting a lot of that. I mentioned tenacity quite often, but yeah, I think I've developed that from my parents, but also from the Marine Corps giving me a little grit to overcome, you know, things that are difficult in your life. Another portion of the Marine Corps, you know, as I got older and, you know, developed rank and started taking leadership courses in the Marine Corps, developmental courses, I got it as an E6 as a staff sergeant, but clear objectives, you know, defining what they are, communicating, you know, uh, 100% adaptability. There was a saying in the Marines called Semper Gumby, which is always flexible. Our, our motto, Semper Fidelis, so always faithful. Resilience, that comes out to mind. Is nothing's easy. Without a doubt, attention to detail. I think I've developed a little OCD from the Marines, you know, T's crossed, I's dotted, sometimes too much. Uh, my If my team was here, they'd say a sense of urgency because uh, I want stuff done yesterday, not tomorrow. So sometimes that could be a blessing and a curse, but yeah, it's just, it's been pivotal in shaping my life and especially, you know, a lot of business principles and I can continue on that list too, but that's just, um, some that jump out of me. Well, I, I have never served, uh, in the army. Um, however, I, I, I do know a few folks, um, who have in my life. And if I were to channel some of what I can remember of their stories that I would ask you about is I think they they had always expressed a certain tension with like navigating bureaucracy and, and red tape, knowing that it serves an important role, but, but recognizing that it also slows everything down. And so I'm curious, you know, with that productive impatience that, that you just described, how is it that you, you reconcile those things? And, and I mean, do you find that to be true and has it manifested in, in any interesting ways when you think about Sergeant Clean and, and how you are going to try and, and grow and build efficiently? You know, when I had served in the Marines, so I was uh, stationed like in Japan and in some of the Pacific uh, countries that we were in and then uh, California. And then I was a recruiter for the remaining three years here in uh, Medina, Wayne and Holmes County. I don't think any was any was there. Maybe I wasn't looking for it, you know, either. But it seemed to be, you know, fluid on my end and always, you know, constant. And we were just getting things done. Maybe it was on my job that, you know, I did, you know, particularly. And then as far as, you know, when we grow as a company, it allowed me to be, you know, people are going to laugh when I say this, but it did actually help. I've developed more patience than I would have had in the past because you'd say something and, you know, I'm a staff sergeant or a sergeant in the Marines. I'm talking to a private or, a, you know, private first class or Lance Corporal. They just did it. There was no questions. Right. So now it's more of a collaborative effort that when we're going to make a decision, you know, we've got different department heads that we're going to focus on making this decision. So it's not a one man band. The buck doesn't stop here. And it was about three years ago when I made the best decision was to publicly announce that the buck does not stop at Brian Cruz. 
And if we're going to grow this company, you know, I had a, I had a hand uh, a hand um, in hiring a lot of these individuals that are at these leadership positions and a lot of the general managers and, and people in these roles saying, hey, listen, if we're going to, I can't be part of every marketing thing. I can't be part of every operational decision. You guys are great people. You just go and do, which is a little bit different. And I had to adapt coming out of the Marine Corps and learning this. And it took a while, you know, and sometimes I, I still do struggle, you know, with some of the urgency there, but they all know we're all coming from a, a, a common place. And there's a book that I, that I read, that I read twice a year. It's called the four agreements. And one of those is in there, which kind of comes to mind is don't make assumptions. And that's the thing. So when people know that there's an urgency or vice versa, there's an email that comes through, I'm not going to make assumptions. He's doing it. We all come from the same place and the same, same team, same fight, same mission. And that's been helpful too, to help navigate that. Hmm. That's fascinating. I'm curious about this idea of, of talking people out of, of working with you, were there any other, you know, parallels or interesting differences between what recruiting looks like at the Marines versus executive recruiting versus the recruiting you do for your own business now? Yeah. I mean, obviously the, I'll, I'll say the severity of, you know, the Marines is, you know, there, it could happen, right? You're, you know, there's, there's a war type scenario, you're serving your country, but a lot of that was just giving, giving them the whole entire story. So my recruiter was not forthcoming. I was supposed to be a fireman in the Marine Corps. Okay. Now it was under the job field, but under fireman was also a bomb builder. Okay. Aviation ordinance. So to me is I want to provide the good and the bad and as most facts instead of very good expectation. I think really is what that is, both on the Marine Corps and on the recruiting for like the beverage store, recruiting for um, car wash here is set really good expectations, tell both the good and the bad and let them make that decision. Okay. If you're forcing somebody in, like I'm going to force somebody to join the Marine Corps, it never works. It never, ever works. And I have seen that where I'll maybe a senior um, team member says, oh, you know, he's the most qualified or the most senior for this position. He should be the next general manager. Maybe he doesn't want it. Maybe he needs another year or two to develop himself, but you're pushing and forcing these people in. It's never worked. I've never seen it work before. Now, it doesn't mean get soft on individuals and don't hold them accountable, but I've never seen anybody forced into a position where it's worked. And I luckily knew that on through mentorship. I just said, that's not what I'm going to do. You can join the Marines. And I would tell people and their families, I don't care if you join the Marines. I'm going to get paid the same on Friday as I did next, as I did last Friday. I don't get any commission if you join or not. It's the same thing here uh, at the car wash. Hey, you got to be able to do this. You got to get up every day and say, I'm going to be happily I'm going to happily drive to work and be happy when I'm at work. And if you're not, come in and tell us and then get the heck out of here. You know, it's the same thing in the Marine Corps. Make I, I tell everybody, volunteer for everything. You're young. You have, you know, maybe no kids, no family. No, just do your thing. Go out and volunteer. Experience the world because you may not have that same opportunity again. I just saw it to my nephew who left for Kent. Despite what your parents say, volunteer, Lane, volunteer for everything. <laughs> go out there and do what you can. Experience the world. Meet new people. And it's similar here, you know, um, and I think that's been the most helpful. I, I appreciate that, that mentality. I think it makes a lot of sense. So what, what's on the docket? You know, when you think about the, the future of car washing, what does that look like? And, and what is Sergeant Clean's role in shaping that future? World domination. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that from Pinky and the Brain, yeah, right? Yeah. Every, every day they start, How, what are we going to do today? To take world domination. World, yep. Take over the world. No, I, I think we just got a, a really good a really good thing going on here and good people. You know, we'll have 16 locations here by the end of the year. You know, our goal is to continue to expand throughout Northeast Ohio and pockets and, and cities that we want to be in. Cities want us in, uh, you know, as our valued service that we provide. Plus, you know, our new locations, nine of our uh, 16 locations that we'll have have been existing facilities mm-hmm. that we've kind of taken over that were in some level of distress, some not. And we would fix them up, you know, and then reopen them, which is always great for the cities because there's always that distressed piece of property that's sitting in any city, you know, throughout Northeast Ohio. And we did that. And then uh, we take them over and and make them look shiny and clean and then provide a good service. All of our new facilities, they look wonderful. Obviously, I'm partial, but a nice, clean, modern building, you know, inviting uh, with uh, the highest uh, technology equipment, we, we spare no expense when we build our facilities. We want them not only for growth, but um, for anything we could do to continue to provide a quality car wash. 
I think we're just going to continue to do what we're doing. You know, we got three that we're building here, like I mentioned, and then next year we got three that are already ready. And we're just ready to plan for those for the additional year and keep growing. Do, do you find that it is more challenging to build from scratch a facility or to go through this this rehabilitation process and the merging of, of cultures in, in kind of an acquisitory way? Yeah, it's it's much harder to do an existing facility, hmm. you know, because a lot of the, the remodel that we're doing, we're just under the constraints of whatever current property is and the building and the equipment and the layout. And the majority of these have been full guts where you ripped everything out, threw it in the trash and started over there, or kept a certain wall or certain, certain footer in the building. Uh, our location in Lakewood was probably 80, 90 percent rehab to where we almost built a brand new facility there. And it, it looks fantastic. Uh, what we've done to that that facility that was left a little distress, you know, in the city. And that's way more difficult, you know, same with the culture that's there. It's different. You know, a lot of the, the good ones will always immediately jump on board and be part of this and be very thankful and humbling and, you know, be the best cheerleader or rock star. And you'll know the ones that just were hanging on and maybe doing, you know, not loving life, they, they immediately leave because they know that, hey, man, these guys are smart. They're going to figure me out and I'm out of here, which is good, right? We don't waste any time on training them. They don't waste any time themselves being somewhere where they don't want to be. And that's fine. We do try to hold on to all these people. You know, we just don't, you know, take over our car wash and start getting rid of people. Our first effort is to put our best foot first and we keep all the individuals when we acquire any site. Uh, we give them the tools and resources like we do any new location that we open. And it's up for them to make a decision if they want to continue on their way or, you know, sometimes we got to make the decision too, right? You know, uh, my grandfather used to say people fire themselves. So sometimes that happens. It's not the, the fun part of the job, but yeah, it happens. Well, and I, I know part of the, the the growth story here has involved, you know, the the Scalarator program we were, we were chatting about, uh, Dan Eisenberg, yeah. uh, also before we, we turned on the mic here. But I, I've always found those kinds of communities pretty interesting, you know, when you think about figuring the best of what other people have already figured out and, and how a lot of business problems are not uh, necessarily unique to your business, you know, regarding the problem you're trying to solve, but at a high level, they're, they're roughly the same. So, you know, what, what have been some of the, the interesting learnings for you about, you know, growth and, you know, going through Scalarator and, and how you think about, you know, what, what comes next and, and what will be ultimately responsible for, for your growth? Yeah. So one, I think the first thing I think of when I, when I think of Scalarator Northeast Ohio, and then even previous to that, I was a Goldman Sachs graduate and back in the day, I can't remember what cohort I was, but early on yeah. in the system. And the first word that comes to mind, and it always does for Scalarator's community, right? It's just that community of individuals, one of the advisors and mentors that are there uh, that help, that are part of Dan's operation, that just truly care and are genuine about helping uh, owners senior leaders inside these companies grow. And then the community uh, of, you know, peers around you, right, that are going through the same stuff you are. And you may be really good at hiring and they may be bad, but you may be bad at something else. And it's just a really good complimentary service, kind of that yin and yang that you get to be kneecap to kneecap with individuals going through the same thing you've done or the or different things that you can help lean on each other and overcome. And just the classes and how it's prepared, uh, I unfortunately went with it during COVID. So it was a lot more Zoom mm -hmm. and that whole world. And Dan and his team talk about flexibility and adaptability. They, they, they adapted to the crazy situation that we all went through. And it was great. You know, I it was one of those, oh, when's the next call? When's the next thing? When are we getting together next? And it just really fueled and helped our growth, uh, taking a step back, working on the business versus, uh, you know, in it. It was nice to carve away some time talk to the community and get me focused. What, what does success look like for, for you? You know, what, what, what is the, the impact that, that you hope to have looking back in retrospect? Yeah. I mean, to me, that's tough. I, I think the first thing people think of, and you can look at any social media thread, right? It's all about cash, you know, cars and all that junk. Yeah, all that stuff will come. And yeah, cash is important and that's great. You can do different things. But to me, success is just being happy, you know, and I, and I look around and I got two boys, an awesome wife. I refer to her as Mother Teresa because she is, uh, keeps me in line. But I don't think it's never, I don't think it's ever a bank account balance. It's memories, right? It's just 
you know, going to work, being happy. I mentioned early on, like, I just, I, I don't work. I, this is just an awesome place to be. I love it. And I think of uh, that success in, in my eyes, just being happy, getting up, loving what you do every single day. Um, and also to serving the community. My grandfather growing up, he was a fireman. He lived in a Leary fireman, a businessman. He had concession trailers at fairs and festivals. So Jeff, I worked, you know, 10, 12 hour days going from one fair to the next, you know, over a 900,000 degree oven and 90 degrees outside. So I learned a lot of resilience, you know, there. And he often told me, and naively I was young, but he said, you know, when have you paid your community rent? And I think that's important, right? Businesses open in a community. They want to, hey, come proprietor, come visit, come buy my soft drink, come, come get a car wash, come do whatever. And they're never reciprocating that back. Not that they're saying never. I mean, some do, but, you know, a lot don't. And that's how a community works, you know, of you reciprocating that. They're, they're visiting you. You're going, helping at a fundraiser, a community service. Maybe you're, you know, raking leaves for a veteran or an elderly neighbor. It doesn't always need to be stroking a check, right? It's just volunteering, giving back, joining Rotary or, you know, a civil organization in your area. I think that's also the second level of success when you're able to give back, be thankful and humble and grateful for the things that you have and looking at it that, but not really from a you know bank account or a, how fancy is your car perspective, Jeff? No, I, I think uh, <laughs> I, I came recently across this, this idea that, you know, to the degree you can find work that feels like play to you, but looks like work to other people, you know, you're, you're probably on the, the right track. Yeah. Bingo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I think the, the, the fun piece is, is actually, you know, it, it matters. And, you know, when I was thinking about our, our conversation today, I mean, I, I personally have such fond memories of car washes when I was a kid, like real magical moments, you know, where either in the car or you get out of the car and watch it go through and, and, uh, in like a, I don't know, maybe I was weird, but I, I really like love that stuff. And I'm curious, you know, if, if you had any of those, those childhood magical moments with car washes and, uh, you know, the, at, at some point car washing goes from that magical experience to like a chore that you need to do. And, uh, I'm curious how you, how, how you've thought about, you know, that, that change and, and what you do to instill fun in the, in the, in the business. You know, and that's, and that's where a lot of us listening to the customer is we want to make it fast, easy, and convenient. So it's not a chore. And then two, if you do want to do a little extra, we've got like a little bug prep area. You can, you know, grab a, a soft brush, clean the front of your car, little nooks and crannies and things like that. So if you do want to go a step above, uh, I mentioned the free vacuum area and all the components there, but childhood memories, no. And and maybe just because my parents weren't like car people, right? They weren't like, I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't do an oil change. I couldn't tell you uh, if this is a 1957 Ford, whatever, and this is a Mustang, I can't do it, you know, but it, it is cool. My kids love it. And growing up that I was the cool dad because we had the car washes. It was neat. My dad, well, my dad's Sergeant Clean. That's cool. You know, it was because the kids would love to come there. They see the soap, they see the lights. It's a cool experience. And we've actually toured and brought kids through the back room and, you know, safely, right? OSHA and, you know, hard hats <laughs> and all the good stuff. We did it safely and gave them kind of behind the scenes tour. One of them was even a birthday party that we had and we brought the, some of the kids oh, through yeah. there. They had, their mom had made little like Sergeant clean, like little helmets and we got little stickers and stuff for them. So it was pretty neat, but uh, yeah, yeah. Nothing personally, but yeah, we've definitely helped a lot of kids uh, be quite happy. And then you hear the intangibles where I've had several customers reach out that kids are maybe autistic or have some sort of, you know, uh, uh, struggle and the car wash itself is something that's a calming place for them. Hmm. They enjoy to come there. They, they're seeing it. It's a soothing place. And, and that's cool, right? You know, some of the things you don't think you're doing or meeting customers that the car is the most expensive investment or second most expensive investment of their life. And here they get to, you know, effectively protect it, wash unlimited, and just you see some of the, the things that you don't hear all the time. And those are the cool things. Yeah, those are cool. What do you wish people understood about car washes that they, they, that they don't, you know, general societal level misconceptions about car washes. Yeah. And I think it's the old stigma, you know, especially in Northeast Ohio, when we come into cities, we obviously have done our due diligence before we even call a city, you know, 
a lot of the people, aside from cities, just in general, kind of get this, maybe this old stigma, this little cartoon bubble pops above their head. And they immediately think of the worst, the nastiest car wash, right? The one that's, uh, you know, down the street where they're doing drug deals and drinking beer and, you know, just the worst of the worst, right? Horrible employees, whatever negative stigma you can put behind any business, they associate it immediately, maybe from a hometown or that's currently in their town. And they go, oh, we don't want one of those, right? Because the owner has let them be distressed and let that fold up. So I think that the biggest mis- misperception is that, you know, uh, maybe from the movie uh, Breaking Bad, right? That we're laundering money yeah, and yeah. all those negative perceptions. And, you know, it takes you 20 minutes to wash your car. Brushes was a thing. There's a company in the 80s called Ryko, and they actually had plastic bristles and they would clean the car with plastic. So if you're about 40 to 65, you go, oh, is it a friction? Is it a, just brushes? We use Neoglide, which is a foam material, anti-porous, and nothing sticks to it. We have a very uh, strict policy on rust and excessive dirt. So we've gone through a lot of these measures. And I think, you know, before you make some assumptions, uh, and behind me right here is one of my favorites uh, by uh, Walt Whitman, and it's uh, be curious, not judgmental. And I think that's the main thing I think of in car washes. Be curious, ask good questions, listen to the facts versus opinions. And after after you talk to us and explore, you're going to come to find out that, man, we, we run a good company and we have a good business and it's a valued service because the market's telling us that they need this. You know, maybe li- listen a little bit, you know, before you cast some judgments, so. But, but everything's been good. The cities that we're in, the cities that we're building in have been fin- fantastic. They're great assets. Why? Because they weren't judgmental and they listened. And that was important. Very thankful. Well, in, in addition to the, the Walt Whitman behind you, I, I noticed there, there may also be a meme that speaks to way too many tabs open. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm going to ask a question I don't think I, I've ever asked on the show before, but, but only because you offered yeah. it up. You know, many, many folks in my life, but but there is an interesting pattern I think of of CEOs and founders with with ADHD. How how is it that you know that's that's played out in in your own life, and and how have you managed it? And you know, it's a superpower. It has its drawbacks. You know, how, yeah. what what uh what is that like for you? Maybe I'll pull in and have my wife answer this question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, without a doubt, it's been a struggle. I mean, my it's a blessing and a curse. Why? Because I'm constantly thinking constantly thinking of how we can do things better, you know, visionary, strategizing, what can we do? How can we do this better? Waking up two, three in the morning, you know, typing into my phone thoughts and notes and things that I can think of, but it is a constant struggle. Um, I've learned to take some kind of some breaks, some mental breaks throughout the day. If I know I'm going to get on a phone call, I'm going to do a walk. I love to-do lists. To-do lists keep me on point, on track. My calendar has to-do lists. And um, sticky notes. I have a whole pad here, and uh, there's a whole, there's about five or six of them here on my desk. You know, those have been very helpful. Getting organized, time management's been important, and plus accountability. I think that's crucial. Uh, talking to my kids, talking to my wife, talking to my coworkers, saying, "Hey, hold me accountable, right? If I'm a space cadet when I enter the meeting, maybe you don't want to do it publicly. Pull me aside and say, "Hey, Brian, fill in the blank or whatever," because you can only get better if you know and I thrive on constant improvement. We as a company thrive on constantly, constantly approving, getting better and being held accountable. And some of those are some of the things that have been very helpful for me coping with it. Uh, That's very interesting. So you've also mentioned, you know, mentors a a few times in in our conversation. I think it it can be kind of this uh, elusive concept for a lot of people of like, you know, practically, how is it that you go about cultivating, you know, mentorship relationships and, and, the reciprocity of those relationships. And it's, it's not just a one-way thing. What is your philosophy on mentorship and the importance of mentors and, and, and how have you approached that in your life? Yeah. You know, I, I can't remember when, maybe it was at the Cleveland Museum of Art or we went to Pittsburgh or something a long time ago, but there was something Michelangelo had said, which was uh, Ancora Imparo on his deathbed. This guy said that's on his deathbed and he said, you know, I am still learning or I am learning. And that, I think, just when I saw that and I heard that before, I was like, this is how you got to live your life. Constantly learning. You're never better than anybody else. Constant room for improvement. You need to be humble enough to accept these things. And what better way than a mentor? You know, people that have been around the block a time or two 
who's been in these different situations. And it could be outside. I've got some mentors that I currently have now. And like I said, I've graduated up through those. I just knew it was somebody important. And I love my parents. So they hold me accountable as some level of parenting, mentorship, right? Grandparents, you know. But also I needed somebody outside kind of like the friends and family that can really hold me accountable and have to know the struggles that I'm going through. It's, it's cool that you just ask somebody and they want to help, but you need to be respectful, right? You're not calling them every hour of every day, every week. You just kind of set up, hey, let's meet every other month or quarterly or whatever the case may be. And, you know, I often say growth, out, growth lies outside the day to day of what you're doing. It's you're, you're not going to find a lot of that growth doing the same thing you're doing. So get outside your comfort zone. Get up with a good mentor and advisor. You will graduate up. Right. They may move out of the area. It, it's just good. And a lot of them, the best perspectives I've got are the most you know, inquisitive ones that are outside the car wash industry. Like you're, Jeff, you're asking great questions about the industry. And it's the same thing. I'm learning about them and their industry whether it's, you know, robotics or logistics or insurance business, I'm learning from that perspective, I'm learning about the industry. So it's also very helpful. It's a two-way street, maybe more the person being mentored uh, is more 70-30, but it's, it's a learning and you're providing a good environment and you're being thankful, you're reminding them of the thankfulness. And then when you get older, you're going to reciprocate that back. So I've, I've been fortunate enough to in my community involvement, done some mentorship with the Connections program here in Strongsville at the high school. Uh, other individuals that have came and left Sergeant Clean and now have started a business or working at, you know, some of them going to college or working there. And that's the cool thing. Even the Marines that I put in uh, the Marine Corps to now, I've got great relationships with these people. And I find it fascinating, I'm not getting choked up here, but that they that they call and think of me. And I get to be the dude who can help them. And why? Because I believe in reciprocity. People have helped me and I'll always have time to help others, you know, and I think that's cool. What, what is the, uh, and this is, this is, this is almost like a, a lame question, cause, but I, I do love it. But what is the, the unspoken part of the story so far? Like what, what is important that, that we haven't talked about that you think people should know? You know, a lot of time, you know, people go, well, what's made you successful? You know, and I and I wish I could just go and go, all right, it was November 15th, 2009 and, you know, kind of point a finger on it. But I think I go back to what I told my nephew. It's just volunteer for everything. Just be open, be receiving, be humble. And I think a lot of that what's made me successful is just being putting people first. It sounds cliche. It just sounds generic and cliche, but genuinely care for people. Man, you and this is my parents taught me this. My grandfather taught me this. Maybe it's old school people from Europe, you know, that just came over here and fought tooth and nail for everything that they've got and, and just be humble. And it's just caring about people, developing relationships. And anyone listening who knows me, you know, that's true. I just love people and love relationships and want to help others. And I think that's probably the best thing is it's made me successful and made me kind of that maybe that unspoken, consistent theme. As old school as that may be, I think the flip side of the coin is, is, is timeless. You know, that I think that that stands the test of time. Right. Yeah. I mean, and behind me, you see a bunch of books and stuff and I, I have a mentor and he says, why are you reading that crap? You need to read good novels, right? You know, uh, uh, let's see, Cannery Row and, you know, uh, War and Peace and uh, the Third Reich or, you know, some of these, you know, big thinking type books, these classics, you know, movie, movie Dick that could really kind of take you outside and, you know, I, it speaks to what you just talked about, right? The classics, they've been around forever. They ain't going nowhere, you know, and it's, 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 if history is any guide, right? It's lasted this long and it'll continue. Right. They're there. They continue to be around for a reason. They're, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, th th this is awesome. I mean, really, I've enjoyed the, this conversation very much. I'll, I'll ask you our uh, traditional closing question, which is for, you know, and you can, you can, you can say Sergeant Clean Car Wash, but then I'll ask you for another one. Yeah. You know, your favorite hidden gem in the area. First thing. So obviously I love the Cleveland Cavs. You can see a lot of Cavs stuff behind me. Uh, I love them, but they're not a hidden gem. But I, I have to say without a doubt, uh, Ohio City Provisions. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> Adam and Trevor, they are doing some fantastic things over there. You know, when you talk about kind of reinventing their own food chain from, you know, right from the farm, right to the dinner plate. And the things that they can do are just, man, they're phenomenal. You got to go see it. If you've not been, 
you got to get up at those guys. You got to see them. Kind of that old world butcher, you know, feel when you walk inside the facility. Just once again, the care, love, the passion for what they do. Just I don't even know where to begin. Yeah, I, I appreciate that plug, and and I don't think anyone's called it out before. And I happen to live a block away from them, so I don't want them to get too popular. But they also deserve all the success. Um, so yeah, <laughs> it's they're good people, and you know they raise their own animals, and just they're they're behind the entire process. And you know, I'm sure they could speak more on the you know GMO and health and all the things uh, related. Yeah, well, you know, we'll, we'll have to get them on the podcast. Yeah, heck yeah. Get Adam on there and Trevor. Just two awesome dudes who just genuinely love what they do. This is a good thing to have in the city. And Ohio City Provisions is where it's at. Well, yeah, Brian, I just want to thank you again. Really appreciate you coming on and and sharing a bit more about about your story. Yeah, you're very welcome. I appreciate you having me. And thanks for carving some time out for me. Absolutely. If people had anything that they wanted to follow up with you about or, you know, participate in, in a car wash experience. What would be the best way for them to do so? Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn. Obviously, that's a, that's a good one there. And then uh, our website, uh, sergeantclean.com, sgtclean.com. My email address is, I don't know if you want to provide that, but yeah, anybody can send me an email and I'm happy to, to re- have them reach out to me and we'll get connected. Perfect. That's all for this week. Thank you for listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's show. So if you have any feedback, please send over an email to jeffrey at layoftheland.fm or find us on Twitter at podlayoftheland or at sternhefe, J-E-F-E. If you or someone you know would make a good guest for our show, please reach out as well and let us know. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or on your preferred podcast player. Your support goes a long way to help us spread the word and continue to bring the Cleveland founders and builders we love having on the show. We'll be back here next week at the same time to map more of the land. The Lay of the Land podcast was developed in collaboration with The Up Company, LLC. At the time of this recording, unless otherwise indicated, we do not own equity or other financial interests in the company which appear on the show. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.